0: I'm Kieran, and I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult,
1: where two coverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. I have always been my mother's daughter,
0: as my mother loved America and worked hard in the political lane to preserve American exceptionalism with candidates and causes. Thomas said she ran for office when I was a teenager. This is from an interview with the Washington Free Beacon uh, in March of 2022. With Jenny Thomas trying to clear up a few things about January 6th. Welcome to Release the Kraken, our third episode on <laughs> <by> Jenny <laughs> Thomas.
1: <laughs> I just, oh I can't, I, I'm only seeing like Pirates of the Caribbean in my head. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm getting.
0: There's not really an improvement on seeing Jenny here.
1: No, it's really not. And, uh, you know, if she hadn't, like, been part of an insurrection and a coup, she wouldn't have to clear sh- things up. <laughs> like, have I you really, has, <laughs> has
0: it ever occurred to her to just not? <laughs> no, it, it clearly hasn't. I feel like she feels it's like she has it's a moral obligation. I mean, okay. There's something here that I think is is deeply recognizable to both of us with jenny's quote-unquote activism yes and that is the very like very like homeschool mom grassroots organizer energy to it that drives both of us today and it's not like it's mm-hmm. something that's special to homeschool moms they don't have the you know the corner on it but it's definitely you see it just popping up there there'll be you know, every homeschool group everywhere or every, like, region, you'll have, like, a homeschool mom who's, like, the one you go to who knows, like, all the, like, current legislation about homeschooling mm-hmm. and how to f- register yourself or not properly as a homeschooler. And, like, the one who, like, has her, her finger in all the pies. So she's, like, yeah. involved in the the ministry groups and the, like, homeschool theater groups and the debate groups and she's got ties to all the churches and, like, she's the one who's, like, you go to to figure out how to find what you need within that network if you're yeah. new, the new to or, or, yeah. or the
1: area. Yeah. Or whatever.
0: I mean, yeah, I could I could rattle off a bunch of homeschool mom names for, <laughs> for this. But you see this in every grassroots organizing community. This is not something that's just... In the conservative right. And Ginny Thomas is absolutely like right out of that um that you know, cookie cutter mold.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the person who has been around for decades and decades and knows everyone and everything and whose strings to pull and what those strings are attached to and where mm-hmm. the bodies are buried.
0: Mm hmm. Well and, and- just to remind you, since it's been a while since our first two episodes on Ginny, on like when she's talking about being her mother's daughter, you gotta remember her mother was like deeply involved in Eagle Forum and Phyllis Schlafly's, like organizing stuff.
1: Yeah, her mom was one of the OG um Eagle Forum members. Ginny was recognized as an Eagle Forum person. And mm-hmm. so was so was Clarence. Uh Her ties to Phyllis Schlafly and that kind of organizing go back to before she was even born.
0: Mm -hmm. So in this quote where she's, you know, this quote she's giving to the Washington Free Beacon, a super conservative uh, news outlet is, you know, she is putting herself squarely in like, I am taking on. The legacy of Phyllis Schlafly that was handed to my mother that is now handed to me. Like it is, this is like yep. a direct line in her mind. Yeah. So January 6th.
1: Yeah. How did we get here? How did, <laughs> how did, how did we go from. Ginny Thomas, part of some weird cult that she exited and then was like, oh, cults are bad, To Ginny Thomas continuing to organize in a very cult-like manner because she grew up in a cult-like environment and never left that belief system to mm-hmm. a coup.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I yeah. see the
1: straight line. but
0: <laughs> I, I, I feel like we've, we've been putting this episode off beyond the, like, life has been a lot and, you know... Those of us in the U.S. lost bodily autonomy recently and shit like that. But like, it just, it's so, it feels very obvious. It feels very on the nose. It does. It really does. But hey, here we are. We're
1: here to, to connect those dots explicitly anyway, just in case there's a gap somewhere.
0: So you've probably all heard about, you know, Jenny texting with Mark Meadows and, you know, conversations with, John Eastman, who was urging Pence to not certify the election and all these things. That's all pretty common knowledge. And I think it's like, we're not going to be telling you anything that's really new here, but we are going to be tying it all together with like the narrative we've traced so far, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, Christian grassroots organizing (laughs) carries the day again. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I just, the the quote, like, worked hard in the political lane to preserve American exceptionalism with candidates and causes. That's so, that's so blatant. I can't yeah. think of a better word.
1: Yeah. No, it really is. It's just, that's exactly what she's done and has been doing.
0: And, like, maybe she doesn't explicitly believe it, but, like, when people hear that um, from the world we grew up in, it's like, the city on a hill, America is God's chosen mm-hmm. nation. That kind of, you know. Well, given that she
1: came from Schlafly and was a Reagan nominee, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what she means. She's she's definitely trying to evoke that.
0: Yeah, it's. I think. I think. Yeah, Reagan resurrected a lot of that. It's a very. It's a very clear, like, signal of like American exceptionalism doesn't mean just like you know america as a force in the world is a superpower that throws its weight around way too much it's and has every right to do so like that's not what she's signaling like other people might mean that but like it's very much the christian fascist like this is a calling this is a destiny this -hmm. is god's will and we are like you know hanging out on this chessboard being moved by him right this
1: is the plan and she is doing her part in fulfilling God's greater plan for the United
0: States. Yeah. And I think this is like one of the the things that drives her shamelessness. I feel like there's a lot of like surprise that people have at like how brazen she is, how overt a lot of these other folks were not as overt and she's very just like, direct about what yeah. she's trying to do <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot of like i don't know what was his name mike flynn in for the the january 6 hearings do you believe in the peaceful tran- transition of power i plead the fifth like right that kind of like vagary is not gonna fly with her she's going to be like in your face like god wills it
1: yeah well, that's her whole thing, really. Where was it? Was it in that same article that she was talking about how, like, part of her work in her job is to be blunt about things? And I'm paraphrasing here, but, like, not step back and, like, be quiet about stuff because of
0: i feel like that might have been a different one but yeah like she's really just we've got a lot of sources here that we're kind (laughs) of pulling through out of order
1: (laughs) the notes are going to be very long on this episode
0: yeah it's it's very like i mean if you look at the the text between her and meadows it's very like no stand firm kind of like keep the faith kind of tone
1: mhm
0: yeah okay so <laughs> she's functionally a lobbyist like she is an organizer she's a lobbyist she is doing everything but admitting she's a lobbyist mhm you know she is doing lobbying but she has to she Stresses, this is the same interview from Free Beacon, Washington Free Vegan. Um, uh, Thomas stressed that she has not been paid to lobby or influence legislation since her tenure at the Chamber of Commerce in the 1980s. So she did lobbying back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And the legal lane is my husband's. I never much enjoyed reading briefs and judicial opinions anyway. And I'm happy to stay out of that lane. We do not discuss cases until opinions are public. And even then our discussions have always been very general and limited to public information. So she really just mm. sees herself. as having this like in-house firewall between her and her husband. Right. And, or at least she, she, she says that there is this <laughs> right? and she says that she's not lobbying because she's not getting paid to do it. But she's doing. Yeah, it. Yeah, she doesn't
1: he, say that she's not lobbying. She just says she's not getting paid to lobby, right?
0: Um, which I guess is like she's not registered as a lobbyist. Yeah, she's she's doing it, and she's doing it under her own her own steam. Like she's she, the subtext is always like Justice Thomas's wife, but like mm-hmm. she is like acting as if like it's on her own right authority and power. Yeah.
1: I mean, she has made a name for herself in mm-hmm. the right by running Groundswell, which is a think tank activist organization. Um, it's called something else now. By running Liberty Consulting and her other group with the name Liberty in it,
0: and <laughs> whichever, <laughs> whichever, or
1: whichever one it is, yeah. And like, and that's her. That's. What she's been doing, she's been doing this kind of networking, grassroots organizing in the Republican Party for decades upon decades upon decades, um, establishing herself as separate from her husband, but also using her husband to get like clout and legitimacy.
0: Right, because it's like, so this is from a article from Puck um, that came out this week, um, Who's Afraid of Jenny Thomas?, as the, one conservative activist put it, uh, Groundswell was her calling card to the White House. Whatever benefits her famous spouse had c- procured for her, she was now her own person with her own base of power, thanks to big and mega world professional alliances with people like Fitton and Mark and Frank Gaffney. When she was calling the White House during the Trump years and getting meetings, she wouldn't say, oh, I'm Ginny Thomas, wife of Justice Thomas. She would say, oh, I'm Ginny Thomas with Groundswell. and And of course, the... The subtext there is, you know, everyone knows who she is. And so Mm -hmm. turning her down doesn't feel like an option. So like she's able to get in like, quote unquote, on her own steam, but, and it's, it's for her own stuff. But like, there's, there's a big, you know, subtext there of like, of course, they're not going to turn her away. Of course, they're going to take the meeting. Mm hmm even if they don't like her, even if she's like too on the, again, on the nose for, for their, their taste. If she's, you know, tacky and her mm-hmm. overt fascism, like they're going to take the meeting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I found the quote, uh, it was in the Washington free beacon and she was saying, you know, as, as people were asking her about her husband's conflict of interest and, Whatnot. She said, if you're going to be true to yourself and your professional calling, you can never be intimidated, chilled, or censored by what the press or others say. Mm-hmm. So that's her whole approach is she's being true to her calling right. and she really sees what she's doing as a calling.
0: So the like, again, calling, this is like subtext. This is a spiritual job for her. Mm-hmm. This is a like, I am, you know, doing God's will and um it is her purpose is what, in life. This is this is the purpose that God has given me in life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. E. Which so. is great. It's great because that is something that like it's it's so deeply rooted in a person's Identity when you're when you're doing something that like you feel is your purpose or that you are called to do, especially if you feel like your calling is God given. That is incredibly hard to shake. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I'm seeing a lot of people kind of be confused about like, well, but she left a cult, so why is she doing all this culty shit? And it's like, well, because she doesn't see. That as a cult because that is her calling. That is her mission in life. That is her entire reason for being.
0: No authority is telling her that this is what she needs to do. She is telling herself that this is what she needs to do. So therefore she's not like. Yeah. It's interesting to me because it's like if I'm doing something for me, like if I'm thinking about like this is me being a little too transparent, probably, but whatever. C R H E, like. I care so much about the stuff that we work on and it's hard. Like it's hard for me to go and ask people for money to support Mm -hmm. CRHG. Not because I am ashamed of any of it, but just because it's like explaining my connection to this, explaining my background. That's like a big, you know, vulnerability thing. If I haven't done that before, it's like big open doors, like have that conversation come out about being in a cult. or having Mm -hmm. been in a cult kind of thing. And the difference between that kind of like hesitancy that I might have and what she's doing and how she's handling it is like the, the sense of this is God's will. This is God's purpose. So if I were feeling like this was a divine calling and a divinely inspired agenda and like, you know, nothing can stop me. I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for God. Mm hmm. That so, like, her doing all of these things, if she sees it as a spiritual calling, if she sees this as like a divine purpose, this, this is like, you know, something that is extending beyond this life. This is, you know, my eternal soul and my like eternal purpose. I'm like, God, I'm accountable to God for it. Like, yeah, you're gonna be a lot more gutsy because it's you're not doing it for you, you're not right. being vulnerable yourself. And so it may look really gauche and it may feel like really abrasive that she's doing it to these other people who may not feel the same way about it as she does. But like, excuse me, that's that's what's like driving that, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot I think that context is what a lot of people who are reporting on this and reading Mm -hmm. about this are missing is just how deeply rooted this
0: is for her. Yeah. And I think like the, all of the pieces about their marriage and this, the spiritual element of how they're like equally yoked and all this stuff. Like, yeah, they may not overtly talk about these things, but like, if that is all understood jointly by each other as like, this is my divine calling and I am supporting you in your divine work. Yeah, that there's there's no actual firewall there.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is kind of important is like because they are aligned on their beliefs about things generally, like they don't have to talk about every single case in like, you know, detail that would be unethical in order to be on the same page.
0: Right. They've already got their baseline in sync and they know how each other thinks and they I mean if you're if you're that enmeshed already, you don't need to get into the specifics and like violate that boundary. Yeah. Like I'm Ag- sure
1: she didn't go to bed till like of overt- <laughs> all of her crimes that she did that day. But it's not like he <laughs>
0: I mean, I doubt that he was, him. like, with the text with Mark Meadows came out, I doubt that he was surprised right? at the contents.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe embarrassed, but, like, not surprised.
1: Yeah. And he was the only judge who, like, dissented about the decision to not return all of the votes mm-hmm. which I feel like should be a bigger deal mm-hmm. than it is when you have one judge who's like well but maybe uh, we should investigate what we already decided and know is false
0: <laughs> yeah that's like she has absolutely not been sharing any of her conspiracy theories with him period no yeah not no.
1: at all definitely not nope
0: yeah Okay, so where do we want to go from here? Do we want to talk about the texts? Do we want to talk about Groundswell? Well, I think Groundswell
1: lays the basis for the text because Groundswell is this lovely, <laughs> incestuous pool of people who wind up being involved in all of this shit, Uh So
0: (laughs) from the Wikipedia page, Groundswell is a coalition of prominent American conservative activists who began meeting in 2013 in order to fight progressivism in the United States and in the Republican Party establishment. (laughs) Yeah, so so Groundswell This is her calling card is this group.
1: Yeah. And Groundswell is the group of people who saw the Republican Party in 2013 right after the Tea Party and was like, "Mm, it's too liberal. We need to go more Right
0: yeah. and they were they were the ones who were trying to, like saw that the tea party messaging was had negative aspersions. And so they were trying to, like, let's reinvent ourselves to be like more pure and more conservative and like, reframe some of the language around how we identify ourselves. This is, you know, before Trump mm-hmm. became their rallying point. But just trying to, like find that, like, What's how do we identify ourselves in a way that's not going to be like so off putting immediately as the Tea Party folks, even though they really were the same, like just yeah, uh, an extension of each other,
1: yeah, yeah. So, uh, there are a lot of people who were involved with groundswell um many of those wound up in trump's administration like Mm -hmm. uh bannon for instance as well as uh flynn and so let me let me
0: read something from the there's a reporting from mother jones back in 2013 on groundswell that's pretty good um we'll link to it in the show notes so, believing they are losing the messaging war with progressives, a group of prominent conservatives in Washington, including wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and journalists from Breitbart News and the Washington Examiner, which total sidebar: if you don't know, Washington Examiner is owned by the News cult, <laughs> and that explains a whole, so much. It's a whole story, yeah, and has been meeting privately since early this year, that being twenty thirteen to concoct talking points, coordinating messaging, and hatch plans for a, quote, 30 front war seeking to fundamentally transform the nation. This coalition convenes weekly in the offices of Judicial Watch, the conservative legal watchdog group, During these hush-hush sessions and through a Google group, the members of Ground School, including aides to to congressional Republicans, cook up battles for their ongoing fights against the Obama administration, congressional Democrats, progressive outfits, and the Republican establishment and clueless, that's in scare quotes, uh, GOP congressional leaders. So this is like, I don't know how long the like rhino stuff was going around before 2013, but this feels like like, a key origin story part yeah, that's the callback. of that. Yeah, this is a callback for it. They devised strategies for killing, immigration reform, hyping up the Benghazi con- controversy, and countering the impression that the GOP exploits racism. So they were taking on Carl Rove. And at that point, apparently Jenny was a columnist for the Daily Caller. <laughs> Which I love. That's <laughs> a detail <laughs> that I did not realize. I'm just like, oh yeah, oh, there it is. There it is. Sure. Okay. Other groundswell members include John Bolton, Frank Gaffney, uh, Ken Blackwell, and Jerry Boykin of Family Research Council, Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch, Gail Trotter, fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, Catherine Engelbreit, and Anita Moncrief of Trust the, of True the Vote. Alan West, former GOP House member, Sue Myrick, also former GOP House member, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also among the conveners listed in an invitation to a May 8 meeting of Groundswell again 2013 were Steve Bannon, uh former's another guy Dan Bongine, Bongino, a former Secret Service agent who lost a Maryland House, sorry, Maryland Senate race. The president, the executive vice president of the Federalist Society, a Fox News contributor, just it just goes on and on and on. Mike Flynn, uh, (laughs) yeah, and they were involved in like the, you know, um, like on the other side doing grassroots organizing. Um, that was going to affect or be affected by Citizens United, which he was actively hearing at the time. Just yep. like... <laughs> yeah. When you're, this when, is not when, new. <laughs> none, no. of, none of her habits are new. Like, she's been getting away with this for forever. This is like, we're looking at it again, being like, this is bad. But like, yeah. if there weren't consequences then, why would there be consequences now?
1: Right, exactly. Like, this is... She has been doing this and people have been reporting on this for years and years and years about this conflict of interest where Jenny is working on a thing that Clarence is also ruling on and those sync up together suspiciously, nicely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2018, I was reading a story from American Oversight. Uh, at some point, Groundswell uh, changed its name to The Coalition, I believe, And in
0: coalition or lobby or Liberty. Oh, the coalition, the coalition. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's very, she
0: was still like running Liberty Consulting, which is like her current gig. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to quote from this article from American Oversight. Public records obtained by American Oversight show the degree of access Thomas and her coalition had in the Trump administration. A calendar entry from March 5th, 2020 shows Russ Vought, then the deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget, was scheduled to have, quote, breakfast with Ginny Thomas, quote. On December 10th, 2018, Thomas, on behalf of her lobbying firm, Liberty Consulting, invited a Department of Health and Human Services official, likely Stephen Wagner, the (laughs) administrator for Children and Families, to a quote conversation and strategic discussion quote with conservative commenter Jordan Peterson who I I feel like we don't even need to
0: We don't even need to no. like, Yeah, this is <laughs> <He's> a- <laughs> I was this the kind of this is kind of the peak of his his like heyday there too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean he's still, and- you know, trying, but
0: and as you were digging through this document, you discovered that Jenny used to be on the board of Hillsdale, which yeah makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it continues, the invitation noted that the event would be, quote, closed to press and off the record, quote, and that, quote, a primary goal of this meeting is to determine specific action steps slash solutions for winning back the next generation, quote, the reception was hosted by Thomas, along with conservative Christian activist Bill Dallas and Heritage Foundation's Bridget Wagner. The list of participants included prominent conservatives, and that list Including includes Michael Ferris, of <laughs> uh, uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, so Homeschool much. Legal Defense Association, and ParentalRights.org. Everything so is much. connected. It's uh, it, it, It's angering.
0: You laugh or you cry, I guess. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So Michael Ferris was there, uh, a bunch of other people from all kinds of organizations, King's College.
0: This is not a big deal. Like this is, this feels like a big deal because it's like, aha, we have the connection. But like, it's just a normal week in conservative Washington. Yeah,
1: the world is small. They all know Mm -hmm. each other. They're all friends. They all hang out and have dinner and drinks and whatever together. Like Mm -hmm. the um, American Oversight group did a FOIA request. And in that FOIA request is a lot of emails where people are like, oh, yeah, we're having drinks on the roof. Like, you know, come hang out. It's chill. Just between, you know, Ginny Thomas and whoever else uh, Mm -hmm. in the coalition formerly known as Groundswell.
0: So Groundswell's like – meeting in the Judicial Watch offices and Judicial Watch has deep ties to Project Veritas for our listeners who don't know what that is. You want to refresh real fast? So uh,
1: there was a lot of things, but the thing that I remember most vividly uh, when I ran into Project Veritas growing up was that in the early 2000s, there was this group of people who made videos about Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. and they were, Horrifically edited videos that showed Planned Parenthood doing things that Planned Parenthood doesn't do. And these were like sent to churches and homeschool groups and just like around the internet to show how evil and bad Planned Parenthood was until it came out that they were doctored. And this group just does this. Like they go undercover to liberal organizations or liberal people to try and and film them secretly to try to catch them
0: tried to explain something things. yeah
1: bad and then they they show that but it's always um bullshit
0: well, well and there's so, a whole
1: list on wikipedia it goes yeah, for a very long time
0: and so their stuff and like judicial watch does similar things too they are so judicial watch rather than going undercover and like Exposing things, just FOIA requests and trying to like prove conspiracy theories. So they're like, you know, FOIAing Hillary's emails and FOIAing uh, stuff about Nancy Pelosi and trying to, you know, prove that, you know, various Black Lives Matter protests are false flag things. Like <laughs> they're trying to just basically like expose through FOIAs, which is like a great practice that everybody should learn how to do at some point. Um, yeah. But like, it's they're doing it, they're doing it to try to like back up existing conspiracy theories instead of like letting the research lead where it, right. wherever it goes, which is what real journalists do. But all of these things, like I'll let you read off the list of project Veritas pieces, but like, <laughs> Jenny's believing QAnon stuff and pushing conspiracy theories is not a new thing for her. No. That's, no. that's the point I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So some of the, the things listed under Project Veritas on Wikipedia are the Planned Parenthood recordings, uh, Acorn videos. I don't like... I remember the Acorn thing. That was sort of like the liberals version of grassroots organizing that got exposed. and Then it like imploded and it was a whole mess new jersey teachers union medicaid medicaid was they were showing someone they were like fraudulently filling out medicaid they're trying to like
0: prove the welfare queen right myth, i think
1: yeah, by doing the thing
0: i mean which was we talked really about this so many times where it's like remember our conversations about salvation army and like yeah. they were setting up a sex trafficking yep a child sex trafficking sting and like they did it and that's how they proved it because they did it and like they did the crime <laughs> it doesn't mean it exists yeah and they're like this is a tactic that like has been replicated forever and ever and yep. here, here they are again
1: yep yep so they so they they do that they did an NPR video something in the New Hampshire primary they've gone after various people running for office and like they tried in 2017 to sting the Washington Post, and um, there was also they were, a gi- they were giving them false fraud. information, right? Yeah, they were, and then uh, they sued the New York Times over a 2020 story concerning a video about voter fraud in Minnesota, and they did a series of videos in 2021, apparently. Showing nurse, I'm just reading from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Showing nurse Jody O'Malley, who works for the Indian Health Service in Arizona, speaking with a doctor identified as Maria Gonzalez. Gonzalez can be heard saying, "All this is bullshit. Now a patient probably has myocarditis due to the vaccine, but now they are not going to blame the vaccine. They are not reporting it. They want to shove it under the mat." Claims that. Vaccine-averse event reporting system, VERS mm-hmm. fails mm-hmm. to register reports are misleading. VERS, which currently contains over 720,000 reports, was designed for early warning purposes. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Right. So it's like... <laughs> they were trying a, to, a, to, to... Yeah. To members <laughs> to of Groundswell bad. are members of Project Veritas. There's, a, there's, there's Venn diagram overlap there. There's members of these that are like... Staffers for people like Senator Chuck Grassley and it's like the connections just like pile and pile and pile. Yeah. Like yeah. So you know it's you can see, I mean, going back to my whole like all the conservatives are like Gramsci and his ideas, like mm-hmm. conspiracy theory, which is not really conspiracy theory, but anyway. But like the thirty front. War seeking to transform the nation. Like, this is more of that. Like, they've got the one that's doing the FOIAs. They're doing the ones that are like doing videos to pull gotchas about like things that behind closed doors. They're doing like networking yep. with leadership behind closed doors. They're hosting these summits and trying to like, you know, bring people in who are in, a, you know, official government positions to indoctrinate them about these things like yeah none of this is particularly like it's not new <laughs> it's not new it's not it's not even like particularly like egregiously bad because this is a lot of how like dc works just across yeah. the, like this is how like politics this is works. how organizing
1: works is,
0: yeah but like but to pretend that the right is not like absolutely like top of the line with like how efficient they are and how like connected they are and how like they maximize every connection they have mm-hmm. for their agenda would be really naive. And so this is part of why we're like pointing it out so yeah. intensely. Like yeah. It's this a, is- it's <laughs> it's the playbook.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what they do. This is how it works. This is like they are all connected, and they all share this mission, this idea. and they will work together for it
0: whatever I, I, this is, it costs. I was reading about this the other day, just like <laughs> organizing effectively requires you to like work with people you don't like mm-hmm. and put like personal stuff aside. and I can see like a lot of the dynamics that like, you know. Jenny probably rubs a lot of these people wrong. Like they probably don't enjoy her, but she's like really good at what she does. And so they're, they're working with her and like, you may have ideological differences, you know, in these like this way, that way, but like, because the goals are so in sync, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. They can deal with someone being a bit abrasive if it means that they get power.
0: I just, and every,
1: the goals move forward.
0: All of this is just, like, the left sucks at organizing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and these are all the reasons why. And this is the, reason, the reasons the right is better at it, is, like, this kind of shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what is sort of, like, something that I've been thinking about lately, is how much the right projects what they do onto the left. So the right is preparing for resistance that they are not Mm -hmm. getting because the left is not organized at all Mm -hmm. like the right like i was thinking about this the other day yeah like
0: they're assuming that like there would be violence after the overturn of roe right and when you look at like what happened at protests the violence was caused by conservatives Mm -hmm. trying to like take on liberal protesters
1: yeah yeah and and that's the thing like they fearmonger so much about how queer and trans people are like going to groom your children and try to force them into like their lifestyle. And I remember being 13 and seeing a gay person for the first time and being shocked that they didn't like immediately come up to me and start like trying to convert me. And I realized. But the reason I was shocked about that was because I'd been going to church in all these camps that taught me that like whenever I saw someone to literally run up to them and start evangelizing. And that is not how anyone else does shit.
0: I mean, it's it's the classic, like you know, narcissists will accuse someone of doing the things that they do, mm-hmm. like in conflict. Like if they're a liar, they will accuse you of lying. Like they will just like yeah. turn the turn it you know, a mirror, I mean, this is part of DARVO, but like they'll just turn a mirror on you and project themselves and assume that you're going to behave the way they would Yep. because they can't step outside of their own perspective. And so this is the exact same thing. And I think like both sides do it. Like the left is like assuming that the right is like able to be embarrassed.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Or shamed. And they're like, Teflon, Yeah. Toward that. Like, it just doesn't exist. Like, those things have no power. Mm -hmm. And the right assumes that the left is, like, willing to be militant and, like, really just, like, put it all out there and willing to indoctrinate children and, and, and guess what? Guess who's doing that?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, (laughs) there is one playbook that is complete indoctrination and isolation and, like, oppression and then there is the other playbook that is like people can live their lives we don't have to resort to violence and the problem is that when there's a conflict and everyone thinks the other is going to fight the same way you get overrun by fascism because only one person is fighting
0: mhm
1: which is So that's a little bit of a diversion drama. but <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is leading us to, like, our Echoes Chambers conversation, but, like, I want to do the texts first. Yes, let's really get to great. the text. Yes. They're, they're, like, this is the fun part. It's yeah. it's so bad, but it's so good. So,
1: so, so, so to go back, everyone is connected. Ginny has known all of these people for a very long time. She sees her role in the Republican Party. This is what she told – I'm paraphrasing what she told mm-hmm. the Free Beacon as she is someone who connects people and mm-hmm. is collaborative and friendly and brings people together she is a networker and an organizer that is what she does that is not dissimilar to what i do mm-hmm. <laughs> and what similar skill set good organizers do that is pretty standard and so she knows all these people she talks to these people all the time it's not like she just you know out right. of the blue texted these people
0: or emailed these people So the people she's like communicating with are John Eastman, who's a longtime family friend of theirs. He's a former Thomas clerk. He's a lawyer. And so they were emailing back and forth. And so some of those things have have been subpoenaed and exposed. Eastman's probably where you know his name um, is from. He was the one who told Mike Pence that Pence had the constitutional authority to block certification of the election, which, hence rejected. And then he asked Giuliani for a pardon several days before the January 6th. <laughs> I've been um, thinking
1: about it. And if pardons are still on the table, I would like one. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, I may mm-hmm. have
1: committed a crime over email.
0: Yep. just I just <laughs> want to have a pardon for anything I've done from the beginning of time until now. Thank you. <laughs> and then, so Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, this is like the most – like well-documented one that everybody knows about. Like, and of course it's just, again, you know, she's like in the office all the time. She's making herself known. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, setting up meetings, she's showing up. And so like whether or not they were friends before all this went down, before the Trump administration was in power, like she you know, was able to do what she does and make that connection. And so she's got this guy who's got all of this internal in-house power, and she's texting with him all the time. A lot. A lot.
1: Saying weird shit.
0: She's <laughs> so good. She's like sending him YouTube videos uh, by people who are like who claim that Sandy Hook was a false flag operation. She's say, sharing QAnon propaganda. You know, she's just just like trying to like push his, you know, belief, its interpretation of reality toward mm-hmm. the conservative conspiracy theory pipeline. And I guess they must have bonded over their faith because you know she's telling him that she's praying for him and he's thankful for it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, the other, the other fun, fun thing is after, after she's like, "I'm praying for you." She added in the message that Meadows should listen to Rush, Mark Stein, Bongino, or Bongino, Cleta, um, referring obviously to Rush Limbaugh and Mark Stein and Dan Bongino and lawyer Cleta Mitchell. This <laughs> and, is
0: uh, <laughs> From the Washington Post. Yeah, from of the this. Washington
1: Post, like.
0: And he responds with the affirmative, just like yeah. He's like on board. Like he doesn't respond to the specifics, but he's like, "Yes, I'm. In. I'm in. I'm going to stand firm. Like, this is worth it. Thank you for all you do." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> so she's pushing ideas of fraud. She's the one who's like, you know, she's she's contacting the what is the the term for them? The fake electors. In the,
1: Arizona? Uh, was, like, the slate. The slate. She was contacting the legislators to, like, push the slate yeah. of fake electors. Here,
0: here's the, the quote one. from The Washington yeah. Post. In an email from... On November 9th, just days before media organizations called the race in Arizona nationally for Biden, Thomas sent identical emails to 27 lawmakers in the Arizona House and Senate urging them to stand strong in the face of political and media pressure. The email claimed that the responsibility to choose electors, which belongs to you and voters under Arizona state law, was yours and yours alone, and claimed that the legislator had the power to fight back against fraud and ensure that a clean state of electors is chosen. And so we heard about it in the, the J6 hearings. Like the like fake electors who like were being pushed in and like whether or not they were going to use them or not. And all of that, like she's, she's the one who's, who's pushing that. I mean, she's probably one of many, but like she she was actively saying the thing out loud.
1: Yeah. Actively doing that as the wife of a Supreme court justice.
0: Right. Right. By the way, (laughs) By,
1: by, lest we forget who her husband is, her husband, mm-hmm. who has not condemned any of her insurrectionist actions mm-hmm. and has only sided with the idea that the election was a fraud.
0: Yeah, no, the silence, the silence tells tells us a lot. It, it is loud. Yeah. Like, it- and that he's
1: refusing to recuse on the matter as well.
0: But, like, if he wouldn't recuse himself for Citizens United, why would he do this for here? Like, it's well, just, like, a, a, exactly. all of these things is, like, you know, he clearly has never seen a problem with this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, this which has been like, his goal and desire and his mission and calling this whole time.
0: hmm
1: Same as Ginny. That's why they which, get along.
0: <laughs> which is funny. Like, I know, like, everybody... I feel like it's it's important to address like the Dobbs decision and like his his line of like cases that he referenced
1: mm-hmm. um, and the one he left out. Uh huh. the The one that would impact him yeah. directly. All,
0: all of them except for Loving versus Virginia. Like, dude. Like he he knows what he's doing. He he. Yeah. And and this is a clearly a religious calling for her mm-hmm. and why would it not be for him too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean they both are devout and this has been part of their politics. Like they've been in this for
0: the this long is, haul. This is like the bedrock of their marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And and if she's like I think the interesting thing is like these conspiracy theories and like how they're, they keep popping up with all of these these groups trying to you know with foyer requests trying to prove prove conspiracy theories like there's this like built-in like suspicion of reality i mean i feel like healthy skepticism of like public narratives is is good and they're taking it to this like this level of Doing that thing of like assuming that everybody's going to act like we would, and so mm-hmm. like here's how this is going to be, and like you know the liberals are stealing babies, <laughs> and right. you know trafficking kids through Wayfair or whatever. Um, like
1: definitely not something any of them have ever done and have a documented history of doing. I have so many
0: questions. Uh,
1: every single time they say that people are doing something, I'm like so
0: where did the you get last that idea? 30 years
1: of you doing
0: the thing right and it's 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 like I mean social media has just made this worse with like algorithms both with context collapse and algorithms like you know reinforcing yeah what you are looking at and showing you things that are more extreme as you click on things like we've all like heard about how YouTube does that you know You start Mm -hmm. watching like Cocomelon and you end up down a like fascism YouTube rabbit hole. Like it's just like, like these things are designed this way to like keep you clicking on to something more extreme. Mm -hmm. And, and if your entire universe and your entire social group is like already believing these things, you're just going to like create an echo chamber where you're looking at reality to reinforce what you believe and you're telling yourselves these same narratives over and over and over until this is the only thing that could possibly be true. And, you know, with these like tight overlapping activism and social circles, like it's, it's just inevitable that, you know, if she's believing these things and saying these things, like she is not acting in isolation. She is not saying these things without other people being, Mm-hmm. also, you know, enmeshed in that, <clears throat> that conspiracy belief system. Like, and it's not just like the middle-aged Trump moms on Facebook. Right. It's the people who aren't talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm like, how do we know that Clarence Thomas is not a and non Like,
1: I mean, we don't
0: not saying he is. But
1: there's just – But we don't know that he
0: – These <laughs> things don't happen in a vacuum.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, I think also people are kind of surprised at like, stuff is happening now. And it's like, well, Thomas has been waiting for the court to be in his favor for the last 30 years. And now he has all of the power, so he is doing with it what he will, which we can see by his – like writings, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to like note that again. This is not an isolation. A, sorry, this is not an isolated. Conservatives only have this thing happen to them. Thing like the left creates echo chambers to like mm-hmm. accusations of things being false flags are popping up on like progressive Twitter all the time. Like, yeah, uh, we're we're just as prone to creating the same echo chamber ecosystem of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, with-
1: it's easy and a very human thing to do because you want confirmation that what you're seeing is true. And if you're not,
0: you want to believe you're not crazy yourself
1: <laughs> against reality.
0: Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't, if you don't know like what the arbiter of reality is like, yeah. Who you're choosing to trust as like an authority. What right. are facts? Like, how is that? I mean, all these things just bleed into each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I think one of like a, a big part of the issues is that like the reason that we can't talk or like reason with the right is like we have two different realities they are so caught up in their version where the left is out to get them and they are so persecuted that they don't see that they're the ones who are doing the persecuting and the oppressing.
0: Yeah. There's, there's, there's no ground to have a conversation because we're, we're not, we're not using the same terms for the same things. Just yeah. it doesn't exist. Yeah.
1: It's, there's just, there's enough, there's an ocean and there is no wood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just like, Alternate timelines can't talk yeah. to each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. I but don't know. The metaphors are abundant. Some of us got the reality
1: with the Berenstein Bears with an A, and some of us got the reality with the Berenstein Bears with an E, and the Twain shall never meet. They will not meet again. I, I like, <laughs> I legit. My personal conspiracy theory is that timelines diverged in 2015, right after uh, GamerGate. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. Berenstein Bear thing—that was that was the split.
0: Okay. Let's see it. Oh, also, <laughs> uh...
1: yeah, and, and we yeah. got the cursed one.
0: <laughs> we're stuck in it. Yeah. Oh, also, we're we're titling this this episode "Release the Kraken." Why? Oh,
1: because that's what she kept saying. And all of her, like, emails and texts was, like, release the Kraken, which is apparently all of the ballots that don't exist.
0: Yeah. It's but
1: like- uh, I just want Kraken. <laughs> please send me some. Okay. All right.
0: All right. Request noted. <laughs> oh, my God. The best
1: rum for my Coke, please. Thank you.
0: Yeah. it Makes very good dark and stormies. This is for sure. It sh- really does. For sure.
1: It's so good. <laughs> uh
0: this podcast has been sponsored by no, actually. <laughs> 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 I wish it was sponsored by a Kraken Rum. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I just like I don't I don't know that there's a lot more to say. Just like it's it's all it's all connected. And just because she's the the loudest one doesn't mean that like I mean she's still in community with these people.
1: Yeah. She is just one of many people who are pushing this from a place of, like, deeply rooted motivation. Like, true believer. Mm -hmm. She, She is in this because it is her fate and her destiny, and so are the people that she hangs out with. Yeah. So if you're wondering, like... Why there's a disconnect? Like, how could a woman be okay with Roe being overturned? Well, this is part of her identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, been her
0: life's work. It's just the the thing that I guess her life purpose is is mm-hmm. the, the way she honors God. So yeah,
1: like for me, I was feeling sad and then i went to hamburg this week and went to miniature wonderland and i decided that my purpose in life is to paint miniature trains and (laughs) yeah in ten years (laughs) in ten years i would like to be working for miniature wonderland i would like to spend my time painting trains and making people Mm -hmm. laugh with Mm -hmm. miniature jokes and Ginny thomas is set on destroying democracy so <laughs> sounds,
0: like a great, sounds like a great plan
1: Please everyone do art instead uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah I'm over here Apocalypse prepping with my gardening It's fine Yeah Anyway So that's the end of our series on Ginny For now
1: I'm sure God she'll come back it. around God damn it Like remember when we thought we were done with Matt Shea And then he did more shit <laughs>
0: I'm, don't I'm invoke pretty... his name
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you say he met Shay three times he's gonna oh, head, like kidnap your children yeah Saw so him on the black market
1: I mean what was what was Amy Quinney Barrett saying about needing infants
0: the su- domestic supply chain or something yeah
1: yeah. like we already know they have uh, international uh adoption racket Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm.
1: great everything is connected and it's that's that's the news
0: stay tuned for more next time (laughs) (laughs) all right
1: thank you for listening
0: thanks for coming along this journey with us sorry it's so fun
1: yeah it's this is our, this is our timeline. We will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Nazo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table pod. Thanks for listening.